Winter Days and Winter Nights. The first snow came and the bitter cold. Every morning, Pa took his gun and his traps and was gone all day in the big woods, setting the small traps for muskrats and mink along the creeks and middle-sized traps for foxes and wolves in the woods. He set out the big bear traps, hoping to get a fat bear before they all went into their dens for the winter. One morning, he came back, took horses and a sled, and hurried away. He had shot a bear. Laura and Ma and Mary jumped up and down and clapped their hands. They were so glad. Mary shouted, I want the drumstick! I want the drumstick! Mary did not know how big a bear's drumstick is. When Pa came back, he had both a bear and a pig in the wagon. He had been going through the woods with a bear trap in his hands and the gun in his shoulder when he walked around a big pine tree covered with snow and the bear was behind the tree. The bear had just killed a pig and was picking it up to eat it. Pa said the bear was standing up on its hind legs, holding the pig in its paws, just as though they were hands. Pa shot the bear and there was no way of knowing where the pig came from or whose pig it was. So I just brought it home, brought home the bacon, Pa said. There was plenty of fresh meat to last for a long time. The days and the nights were so cold that the pork in a box and the bear meat hanging in the little shed outside the back were solidly frozen and did not thaw. When Ma wanted fresh meat for dinner, Pa took an axe and cut off a chunk of frozen bear meat or pork. But the sausage balls or the salt pork or the smoked ham and the venison Mom could get for herself from the shed or the attic. The snow kept coming till it drifted and banked against the house. In the mornings, the window panes were covered with frost and a beautiful picture of trees and flowers and fairies. Ma said that Jack Frost came in the night and he made those pictures while everyone was asleep. Laura thought that Jack Frost was a little man, with all snowy and white, wearing a glittery white pointed cap and soft white knee boots made of deer skin. His coat was white and his mittens were white, and he did not carry a gun on his back, but in his hands he had shining sharp tools with which he carved the pictures. Laura and Mary were allowed to take Ma's thimble and make pretty patterns of circles on the frost on the, on the glass, but they never spoiled the pictures that Jack Frost had made in the night. When they put their mouths close to the pane and blew their breath on it, the white frost melted and ran in drops down the glass. Then they could see the drifts of snow outside and the great trees standing bare and black, making thin blue shadows on the white snow. Laura and Mary helped Ma with the work. Every morning there were dishes to wipe. Mary wiped more of them than Laura because you know, she was bigger, but Laura always wiped carefully her own little cup and plate. By the time the dishes were all wiped and set away, the trundle bed was aired. Then, standing on each side, Laura and Mary straightened the covers, tucked them in well and at the foot and at the sides, and then plumped up the pillows and put them in place. Then Ma pushed the trundle bed into its place under the big bed. After this was done, Ma began the work that belonged to each day. Each day had its own proper work. Ma used to say, wash on Mondays, iron on Tuesday, mend on Wednesday, churn on Thursday, clean on Friday, bake on Saturday, and rest on Sunday. Laura liked the churning and the baking days best of all the week. In winter, the cream was not yellow, as it was in the summer, and butter churned from it was white and not so pretty. Ma liked everything on her table to be pretty, so in the wintertime, she colored the butter. After she had put the cream in the tall crockery churn and set it near the stove to warm, she washed and scraped a long orange-colored carrot. Then she grated it on the bottom of the old leaky tin pan that Pa had punched full of nail holes for her. 
Ma rubbed the carrot across the roughness until she had rubbed it all through the holes, and when she lifted up the pan, there was a soft, juicy mound of grated carrots. She put this in a little pan of milk on the stove, and when the milk was hot, she poured the milk and the carrot into a cloth bag. Then she squeezed the bright yellow milk into the churn where it colored the cream. Now the butter would be yellow. Laura and Mary were allowed to eat the carrot after the milk had been squeezed out. Mary thought she ought to have the larger share because she was older, and Laura said she should have it because she was littler. But Ma said they must divide it evenly. Oh, it was very good. When the cream was ready, Ma scalded the long wooden churn dash, put in the churn, and dropped the wooden churn cover over it. The churn cover had a little round hole in the middle, and Ma moved the dash up and down and up and down through the hole. She churned for a long time. Mary could sometimes churn while Ma rested, but the dash was too heavy for Laura. At first, the splashes of, of cream showed thick and smooth around the little hole. After a long time, they began to look grainy. Then Ma churned more slowly, and on the dash there began to appear tiny grains of yellow butter. When Ma took off the churn cover, there was the butter in a golden lump drowning in buttermilk. Then Ma took out the lump with a wooden paddle and into a wooden bowl, and then she washed it many times in cold water, turning it over and over and working it with the paddle until the water ran clear. After that, she salted it. Now came the best part of the churning. Ma molded the butter. On the loose bottom of the wooden butter mold was carved the picture of a strawberry and two strawberry leaves. With the paddle, Ma packed the butter tightly into the mold until it was full. Then she turned it upside down over a plate and pushed on the paddle of, to, of the loose bottom. The little firm pat of golden butter came out with the strawberry and its leaves molded on the top. Laura and Mary watched breathless, one on each side of Ma, while the golden little butter pats, each with its strawberry on the top, dropped onto the plates as Ma put all the butter through the mold. Then Ma gave them each a drink of good, fresh buttermilk. On Saturdays, when Ma made the bread, they each had a little piece of dough to make into a little loaf. They might have a bit of cookie dough, too, to make little cookies. And once, Laura even made a pie in her patty pan. After the day's work was done, Ma sometimes cut out paper dolls for them. She cut the dolls out of stiff white paper and drew the faces with a pencil. Then from bits of colored paper, she cut dresses and hats and ribbons and laces so that Laura and Mary could dress their dolls beautifully. But the best time of all was at night when Pa came home. He would come in from his trappings through the snowy woods with tiny icicles hanging on the ends of his mustaches. He would hang his gun on the wall over the door, throw off his fur cap, coat and mittens, and call, Where's my little half pint of sweet cider half drunk up? That was Laura, because she was so small. Laura and Mary would run to climb on his knees and sit there while he warmed himself by the fire. Then he would put on his coat and cap and mittens again and go out to do the chores and then bring in plenty of firewood for the fire. Sometimes when Pa had walked his trap lines quickly because the traps were empty or when he had got some games sooner than usual, he would come home early. Then he would have time to play with Laura and Mary. One game they loved was called Mad Dog. Pa would run his fingers through his thick brown hair, standing it all up on end. Then he dropped on all fours, growling, and he chased Laura and Mary all around the room, trying to get them cornered where they couldn't get away. They were quick at dodging and running, but once he caught them against the wood box behind the stove, they couldn't get past Pa, and there was no other way out. Then Pa growled so terribly. His hair was so wild, and his eyes were so fierce that it all seemed real. 
Mary was so frightened that she could not move. But as Pa came near, Laura screamed, and with a wild leap and scrambled, she went over the wood box, dragging Mary with her. And at once there was no mad dog at all. There was only Pa standing there with his blue eyes shining, looking at Laura. Well, he said to her, you're only a little half pint of cider half drunk up, but by jinx, you're as strong as a little French horse. You shouldn't frighten the children so, Charles, Ma said. Look how big their eyes are. Pa looked, and then he took his fiddle down, and he began to sing. Yankee Doodle went to town. He wore striped trousers. He swore he couldn't see the town. There were so many houses. Laura and Mary forgot all about that mad dog. And there was some great big guns as big as a log of maple. And every time they turned them round, it took two yoke of cattle. And every time they fired him off, it took a horn of powder. It made a noise like father's gun, only a nation louder. Pa kept tapping time with his foot, and Laura clapped her hands to the music when he sang. I'll see Yankee Doodle do, I'll see Yankee Doodle, I'll see Yankee Doodle do, I'll see Yankee Doodle. All alone in the big woods, in the snow, and the cold, and the little log house was warm and snug and cozy. Pa and Ma and Mary and Laura and baby Carrie were comfortable and happy there, especially at night. Then the fire was shining on the hearth. The cold and the dark and the wild beasts were all shut out, and Jack, the bridal bulldog, and Black Susan the cat lay blinking at the flames in the fireplace. Ma sat in her rocking chair, sewing by the light of the lamp on the table. The lamp was bright and shiny. There was salt in the bottom of its glass bowl with the kerosene to keep the kerosene from exploding, and there were bits of red flannel among the salt to make it pretty. It was pretty. Laura loved to look at the lamp with its glass chimney so clean and sparkling, its yellow flame burning so steadily, and its bowl of clear kerosene colored red by the bits of flannel. She loved to look at the fire in the fireplace, flickering and changing all the time, burning yellow and red and sometimes green above the logs and hovering blue over the golden and ruby coals. And then Pa told stories. When Laura and Mary begged him for a story, he would take them on his knees, tickle their faces with his long whiskers until they laughed aloud. His eyes were blue and merry. One night, Paul looked at Black Susan, the cat, stretching herself before the fire and running her claws in and out. He said, do you know that a panther is a cat? A great big wild cat. No, said Laura. Well, it is, said Paul. Just imagine Black Susan bigger than Jack and fiercer than Jack when he growls. Then she would be just like a panther. He settled Laura and Mary more comfortably on his knee and he said, I'll tell you about Grandpa and the panther. Your grandpa? Laura asked. No, Laura, your grandpa, my father. Oh, Laura said, and she wriggled closer against Pa's arm. She knew her grandpa. He lived far away in the big woods in a big log house. Pa began. <clears throat> the story of Grandpa and the Panther. Your grandpa went to town one day and was late starting home. It was dark when he came riding his horse through the big woods, so, so dark that he could hardly see the road. And when he had heard a panther scream, he was frightened, for he had no gun. How does a panther scream? Laura asked. 
Oh, like a woman, said Paul, like this. And then he screamed so that Laura and Mary shivered with terror. Ma jumped in her chair and said, mercy, Childs. But Laura and Mary loved to be scared like that. The horse with Grandpa on him ran fast, for it was frightened too, but it could not get away from the panther. The panther followed through the dark woods. It was a hungry panther, and it came as fast as the horse could run. It screamed now on the side of the road, now on the other side. It was always close behind. Grandpa leaned forward in the saddle and urged the horse to run faster. The horse was running as fast as it possibly could run, and still the panther screamed close behind. Then Grandpa caught a glimpse of it as it leapt from treetop to treetop almost overhead. It was a huge black panther leaping through the air like Black Susan leaping on a mouse. It was many, many times bigger than Black Susan. It was so big that if it leaped on Grandpa, it could kill him with its enormous slashing claws and its long, sharp teeth. Grandpa on his horse was running away from it, just as a mouse runs from a cat. The panther did not scream anymore. Grandpa did not see it anymore. But he knew that it was coming, leaping after him in the dark woods behind him. The horse ran with all its might. At last, the horse ran up to Grandpa's house. Grandpa saw the panther springing. Grandpa jumped off the horse against the door. He burst through the door and he slammed it behind him. The panther landed on the horse's back just where Grandpa had been. The horse screamed terribly and ran. He was running away into the big woods with the panther riding on his back and ripping his back with its claws. But Grandpa grabbed his gun from the wall and got to the window just in time to shoot the panther dead. Grandpa said he would never again go into the big woods without his gun. When Pa told this story, Laura and Mary shivered and snuggled closer to him. They were safe and snug on his knee with his big, strong arms around them. They liked to be there before the warm fire with Black Susan purring on the hearth and good dog Jack stretched out beside her. When they heard a wolf howl, Jack's head lifted and the hairs rose stiff along his back. But Laura and Mary listened to that lovely sound in the dark and the cold of the big woods. They were not afraid. They were cozy and comfortable in their little house made of logs with the snow drifted around it and the wind crying because it could not get in by the fire. Thank you.